Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and welcome to VoiceWorks Sound Business. On today's podcast, we are talking AI, very much a buzzword across all industries right now and definitely within the world of audio. The Smart 7 is a daily news podcast that brings its listeners the seven biggest stories every morning at 7am, seven days a week. And it's a show that has recently adopted AI into its workflow to replace or at least synthesize regular host Jamie East. Its creator, Liam Thompson, joins me on today's episode to talk about the successes, limitations and also any moral questions that had to be navigated in going down this route. Not only is Liam going to give us an insight into the processes he's adopted with the Smart 7, but as a man with a rich radio background and a keen eye on the audio industry as a whole, he's going to offer some key insights into what role artificial intelligence might hold in the world of audio going forward. So, are we all going to be replaced by robots? Let's talk to Liam Thompson of The Smart 7 to find out. Liam Thompson, thanks for joining me on today's VoiceWorks Sound Business. How are you and where are you? Yeah, good. I'm in uh, Dublin at the moment, working on the radio side of my, uh, my business, working for a station called Classic Hit, which is uh, based in Dublin and reaches two and a half million people across Ireland. That's kind of one of my day jobs. It's amazing you've got time to do anything else, but you seem to have found time to do something that in my eyes is, it's always been very innovative, the Smart 7 project, but it seems to have taken a step up in recent years in terms of innovation. Before we talk about what you're doing with AI at the moment, which is the reason we've got you on Sound Business, talk me through exactly the conception of the Smart 7 and why you thought there was a gap in the market for the product you've created. So this so it all dates back to April 2020, I think. That's when we first started the Smart 7. And Jimmy East and I had uh, worked together in Virgin. And I'd come back to Ireland. Uh, he was doing other stuff. He was doing some talk radio stuff. And, and we were kind of, uh, literally, as the pandemic was about to hit, we were you know, innocently sitting in the Groucho, the world's most uh, media-friendly location, but sitting in the Groucho on a, on, in February going, there's something in this kind of podcast thing. He'd been speaking to people in Spotify and other places about daily news, and we felt that it was something that, you know, we kind of got a good skill set because I have a lot of editorial kind of experience, his presentation experience and his holy moly showbiz background. And the kind of between the two of us, we kind of felt like, you know, we can actually make something that is different from anything else, is shorter and daily. Now, in our innocence, if we didn't actually do the maths and go... Well, if we, if we publish it at seven, what time do we have to get up at? <laughs> Which is probably the greatest business mistake we've ever made. So if it had been the, uh, you know, the smart nine, it would have been fine, I think. But <laughs> when you say smart seven, that means you have to get up at least two hours before that. So we kind of kicked that around. We definitely thought we'd do something short. We thought we'd do something newsy. We were very keen on the idea of daily because it seemed like there wasn't a lot at that time in the daily space. And... Um, Sort of almost over the next two weeks on sort of back and forth on WhatsApp, you could literally see the idea coming together. And we kind of go, mm. Jim's go, well, we do a 10. I was like, 10 feels too long. And then we started to click together the pieces and go, well, actually, seven sounds okay. Smart seven, publish at seven. It turned into seven days a week. It wasn't originally, but that, and then the notion was that it also is seven minutes long. So I think that's a bit of the radio formatics in my blood kind of coming together. It should be instantly clear to people what you're getting, you know, when you put it on. 
Has anything surprised you in terms of the way the show is being consumed by audiences or how it's differed to, let's call them traditional long form shows, be it habits in listening or habits in terms of where people are consuming this on platforms? Because I think that's always interesting to me, particularly about the short form content, which was very much driven by Spotify at the time, I think. But whether that kind of short form habitual listening has transferred over to other platforms as much. I mean, we still get a lot of listening from Spotify. We're still part of the the Daily Drive playlist from Spotify, and that's an important part of the partnership. The interesting thing is, because of the duration of it, the listen through rate on the on the pod is phenomenal. Like it it stays up in the eighties all the way through, right to the end. But it's kind of designed to work like that. I think the space around us has changed quite a bit, and the the kind of you know when we started, there was. A lot less in the space, but but and there were a couple of big newspaper players. Probably the Guardian was in there, and the Economist maybe, and you know the Times is in there now. And you know if if Jamie's uh, busy at the Daily Mail, there may well be something going for the Daily Mail somewhere down the road. The Indi- the Independent is in the red. So there's a, a lot more interest in that space. But those those kind of big newspaper pods feel very different to sort of what we do because we're we are entirely an independent and there's not a lot of independence in that kind of news space. And actually for the big kind of Guardian economists on, they're serving a different purpose really. So they're amplifying the brand of the Guardian or the Economist and connecting it to news and but pushing into a different space. So it's a good podcast, but it's also partly a marketing exercise. So the budgets are mm. quite different to what you're mm-hmm. going to be able to do if you're expecting to just pay for the advertising alone. And some of them don't even take advertising. You know, that's so that's a kind of it's an unusual playing field. So you know, it would be phenomenal if we had a giant uh, media company standing behind us, but we don't really. It's still just myself and Jamie and a couple of people in the team. Uh, so we've had to be kind of smart and move around a bit and be agile in how we keep things going and keep it keep it moving and developing and so on. I think there's a whole other category then that kind of has opened up, which is driven by Dino and the and the global team with things like the news agents. And then you see the Gary Lineker's goal hanger and uh, the rest is politics and the rest is everything that... It, they're definitely in the news space, but they're sort of news adjacent because it's a conversation between people that's much more interesting. And, the, and that kind of long form, it's just something that's totally different to where the Smart 7 sits. I guess that agility to a certain extent has led you to where you are now with the the latest developments. And it's very mm. much the on-trend thing at the moment is the use yeah. of AI. Pretty much every industry is questioning right now exactly what impact AI is going to have on their industry. I've certainly questioned it in the audio space. So mm. describe what it is you've done with the application of AI within the Smart 7 product. So the the first and most important thing to say is that the Smart 7 is curated and written by humans. So we haven't put AI into the mix in that respect. And you know, stuff like ChatGPT, even the most recent versions are still trained on older data sets. Uh, I, don't, I haven't really looked at Elon's uh, wonderful, mysterious AI. I, having used X, I don't think I would <laughs> take it to his uh, version of AI. But, you know, the, the editorial process of Smart 7 runs in the background throughout the day. So we've uh, a producer researcher, Lucy Lewis, who pulls together the stories. We do an editorial checkup at two, and then we come back at five and do the kind of full detail. We're looking for the seven kind of biggest stories of the day. So the kind of two, three, four are the kind of news stories that we've got sports and entertainment. So we know what we're looking for. Every story has to have audio with it. Some stories have two pieces of audio and the script in itself comes to about 1100 words, right? So I would write the script most evenings uh, and then we come back the next morning and polish them. So the, the kind of 
we had Jamie hosting for almost three years and then Kira Evans was hosting and she was the host of the Irish edition. But the complication and the sort of unknown element in the production is that you've kind of got to make contact with the host. You've got to get them the, the script in the morning. They've got to read it and then you've got to go and produce it. And it adds a whole sort of layer of uncertainty into what needs to be a pretty streamlined process because mm. the Smart 7 is not a kind of product that we're, you know, we're not making millions and millions are going to be able to retire from it. It's but it's a, So it's partly a labor of love. But when you add a remote working voiceover who's got to get the script, read the script, if there are pickups, it slows down the process. It's an extra layer of complication. And when we, 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 so we started playing around in the background with the AI piece. Um, we use a place called Eleven Labs, who are relatively new, but have moved incredibly quickly in this space. Mm. We trained Jerry's voice with the AI and it had to sit about three or four hours of audio for it to, to be able to pick up the nuance. And I wouldn't say it's perfect. I think you can still, there are times when you can still hear it and, and the production process has become more about <laughs> a masterclass of grammar in terms of where you put the commas and where you put full stops and learning the things that make the phrasing work most naturally. But what it lets us do is to, to produce it quicker and to make be more consistent in terms of audio. So you're not getting, if somebody's recording at home under the stairs or under the duvet, you can get the, the audio quality suffers. The audio quality is always consistent. It's just a case of getting the tone and the phrasing and the pauses right. But actually, it makes the product quicker to produce and more efficient and more consistent in sound, which I think is the thing we're really looking for. You mentioned it's sped up that workflow of script to release, but how about the workflow that went into creating the voice in the first place? I remember maybe five years ago or so trying Lyrebird, which I think was one of the first yes. kind of like synthetic voice generation tools that was out there yeah. and recording reams and reams of scripts that went into this database that yeah. it would then piece together whenever you wanted to say with mixed results, let's say, has that process of kind of generating the synthetic voice in the first place, is that improved? Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah. So the, uh, and I remember Lyrebird as well, actually. Um, yeah, it, it was fascinating the idea of it and then you played with it you kind of went oh it doesn't oh it's not <laughs> i think one of the things that because we had played around before with um we played with the synthetic voice thing before and we created a like a, a micro podcast called blip blip which is um was like a, sh a daily showbiz thing that was deliberately voiced by a robot so it sounded mm. quite robotic but that was kind of part mm. of the appeal for it it's something we actually might come back, we could come back to reasonably, but it just never quite, it was sort of halfway between two stools. So it sounded kind of robotic and didn't quite sound right. The notion of it was the, when my 15 year old is on her phone and the, the messages are coming in, you get the blip, 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 that it was the kind of to tap into something a bit younger in terms of podcasts. It might have been early ahead of its time, but so that was purely robotic. But the AI stuff that we're using now, once you've done that kind of three or four hour audio grab, it's really convincing then in terms of how it is Jamie. And occasionally we'll post things in the Slack channel that Jamie frankly thinks are libelous because we can make it say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get the if you get the phrasing right and the punctuation right, the weirdest thing for me is still that it takes breaths, which just when you start to think about it. But it is one of the things that makes it sound more natural. But when you're doing an edit and you're like, I'll just cut in on the breaths, you're like, this is not real. <laughs> There's some moments in your head where you just have to go, this, this is so odd. But actually, so the, the, the long short of it is, so now I can just drop scripts into a window, I generate it, and then there's still a certain amount of inconsistency in how it generates. So you might have to generate it once or twice to get the right tone or the right phrasing, or you, if you've missed a full stop, it changes the whole way the sentence is phrased. 
But once the basic voice is built, it's built and that's it. What kind of options do you have there with things like inflection and tone? Because I kind of get the punctuation thing and how that can impact how it sounds, because I think we've had that with any of the text-to-speech models that have happened from like the the Stephen Hawkins-esque robotic voice right through to what we're seeing now. That's kind of like, you understand, you put commas in to create pauses, you put full stops to create longer pauses. But how about that kind of inflection and tone and maybe maybe almost like a delivering a line with a wryness occasionally, which is required in news delivery? How does it cope with that? It's difficult still, right? So I, I, I think there's probably an option where we could, you know, get Jamie to read three hours of upbeat, uh, happy sort of stuff or faster tempo stuff and then trade a, an upbeat Jamie and then mix a match between the upbeat Jamie and the regular Jamie. It responds erratically to things like exclamation marks that sometimes it goes... If you put in a, you know, happy birthday, Natalie Cole or whatever, and it, if you put an exclamation mark in at the end, it can just go way off beam. And that's the thing as well with the generation, that sometimes the first time you generate it, so you, there's different settings in it. You can you can set the consistency higher, but that sometimes makes for more little audio artifacts in it. So there's kind of stability and consistency, and you've got to kind of juggle between the two, because if it's too unstable it, it'll move around too much and if it, you've got to watch that you don't end up with clicks or little artifacts in the voice that you've got to kind of go back and regenerate again like i say it, it's extraordinary that this company has done so much so quickly and it's really amazing the speed at which the whole thing is moving so like in one or two update time it'll shift again and become more realistic we need to hear this i think so and it's, it's really interesting that you mentioned the breath because that was the thing when I was listening to the samples and of the, the Jamie voice and the robotic Jamie voice, that was the thing that really threw me, the fact that there were breaths in there. So I'm going to play a couple of samples. And okay. if you're listening to this, you can try and work out which one of these is real and which one is AI generated. Here's clip one from the Smart 7. On today's Smart 7, things get tense at the COVID inquiry. Hundreds killed and wounded in Israeli strike and lots more. It's Wednesday, 1st of November. It's World Vegan Day. And happy birthday, David Schwimmer. The Smart 7. It's news, but not the news. And here is clip two from the Smart 7. On today's Smart 7, inflation finally falls, veterans get a long overdue apology and lots more. It's Thursday the 20th of July, it's International Chess Day and happy birthday Sandra O. Oh. I've got to say, it's bloody good. It's it's almost impossible to work out which is which. My guess, and I'm basing this on very little other than just a hunch, is number two. But can you reveal which one of those is the AI generated and which is the genuine Jamie? So clip one is actually the AI. And clip two is real Jamie. So what am I looking... Can you tell the difference when you hear it? Are there things that you're looking out for? Because you generated, you know those kind of foibles and slight differences. Or, or is it is it good enough to fool you on a regular basis? So I think it's complicated by the fact that I've written it. Do you know what I mean? So that I know what the flow of the words should be in my head. And I have to... Because I've been writing for Jamie, well, mainly for Jamie for three years. I kind of... I know how it sounds when I write it. So it's more that it doesn't sound like it should in my head, which is just a very odd way to measure it. So I wouldn't be the best person to measure it. There are definitely moments where 
the phrasing just doesn't quite sit right. And there's a line in this morning as well that I was almost going to go back and redo. I just So it's about Chris Pratt. So Chris Pratt is voicing Garfield and he's been in a whole lot. He's done a whole lot of superhero movies. He's done the Lego movie. He's done the Super Mario Brothers movie. And the way it says Brothers movie just jars with me slightly. It doesn't sit quite right. But I did get to say Pratt is now a cat, which I quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pick up on something you said earlier about what AI can do in this process at the moment and what it can't do, because you've got the AI as the host. When you look ahead, what other parts of that workflow do you think could be automated in the same way? Like, How close are we to AI generating scripts or AI identifying or suggesting stories? Because I guess we're kind of there-ish at the moment with curated news feeds and things like that and the way TikTok kind of suggests content. There's no reason you couldn't apply that to the way your stories are selected as an AI machine could learn the type of things that works or the type of things you're looking for. If I put my editorial hat on, right, the, and, and there's a really good example. Uh, actually, there's a great piece. Donny O'Sullivan on CNN did a really good piece about what's happened with Microsoft at msn.com. I don't know if you saw the story. No. So msn.com is um, old school kind of homepage, right? Who I don't know who still uses the homepage. But anyway, like millions and millions of people still use msn.com as their homepage. And they fired about 800 editors and journalists and replaced them largely with AI and you know directed the AI towards the feeds and towards the streams and suitable sources. But actually, it went a bit rogue and you ended up with some extreme fringe sites popping up on the front page of MSN.com. It did mean where there was a murder trial and it, it generated an AI poll about, do you think this woman was murdered or why do you think this woman was murdered? Which caused outrage. So... There's that thing of nuance and kind of an and in the my newsletter I do newsletter every week called uh, Rodeo like radio and audio but and I was talking about AI a little bit I was talking about AI a bit in the last couple of weeks actually but you know it's that kind of AI can't laugh but it also doesn't have that nuance because it's not really artificial intelligence is not really what it is right it's actually a large language model that kind of puts together yeah. the pieces there's nothing behind it really to guide it so. It just does the things it was set up to do. And it doesn't have that mechanism for evaluating or for saying, well, this is this seems like a bad thing or a good thing. It, it, this was on the internet in what I think is a news space. So I will put it into a news frame is mm-hmm. really the kind of logic behind it. So until there's something that's, and that's where you get into things like neural networks and kind of faster, smarter computers that look at all the options and are better able to evaluate those things. But I think we all think Skynet is coming and Arnie's going <laughs> to pop up any minute. But we're quite a bit away from that yet. And what we're seeing with AI is really, you know, automation of relatively simple linguistic tasks. I can't see a situation as yet where that would be able to generate the kind of editorial content or editorial nuance that we would put the effort into making in, you know, in the Smart 7. I could be wrong. It could be further ahead than I think. But I, I, my instinct is that the, those that kind of finer point controls what it means when Suella Braverman sends that letter to Rishi Sunak, you know, and how you how you parse that and explain that in the seven minute window that you have, yeah. that still feels like something that needs that craft and that expertise and editorial depth that just doesn't exist as yet in AI. And I wouldn't be rushing to see it come in either, because I think that's one of those things that they're the things that make radio presenters good at being radio presenters. They're the things that, you know, people like us yeah. in that kind of creative industry, they're the things that we should be fighting back to keep AI out of. We should be using it as a tool, not handing it the tools. 
How has this been received? Not so much as from a listener point of view, because like I say, I've listened to it and I think from a listener point of view, you'd have to really be paying attention to spot any difference in experience. But from an industry point of view, has it been met with caution or interest? What's the reaction been like? So I think there's been a sort of, uh, I think the the reaction probably splits in two. There's probably a sort of... um, producer kind of business side of it which is kind of going oh that's interesting and you can see people doing maths on kind of cost basis and then there's a, a more kind of the, uh, you would say the sort of presenter side who are kind of going oh now this now this is a terrible idea you know and that's the kind of uh, <laughs> which i should fully understand and you know one of the things that my radio had on that i've been kind of playing around with in my head is should i be training up you know an ai to do overnight should i borrow a jock's voice and train up an AI so I can do weather updates or I can do scripts and stuff for overnight. If there's something that's still kind of any presenter I've mentioned it to is very reluctant about it. But if somebody calls in sick and I could write up some links and generate them and drop them into the system, does that make more sense than not having anybody on? Kind of itching towards it does make more sense, right? Mm. But there, it feels like it crosses the line then in terms of, do you say that to the audience? How do presenters feel about it? And there's a sort of a whole question there that is sort of unresolved as yet. But it's enough to make me cautious about it. I can see a logic to it, but I think it might cause more chaos than it solves. How do you deal with that? Because, I mean, that's a moral question, isn't it, as much as anything in terms of well, I mean, taking, for example, the idea of having an overnight presenter that is an AI bot. I started my radio career as an overnight really? presenter and I wouldn't have got to where I got to without having those early days. Those kind of yeah. like so there's an idea of like if you start there and you replace overnight presenters with AI bots, then suddenly there's no ladder and you run out of people at the top of the tree and everyone's an AI bot suddenly. But there's more issues as well, more questions like what do you do if a an AI voice exists but the person no longer exists, they've passed away? Or how do you deal with the rights and permissions around using someone's voice? If they sign a contract to let you use their voice, then what are the limitations on that as well? How do you deal with that? Or do you think we're just not in a place to even consider what that looks like yet? It's a question that's coming, you know, and I think that's a, a significant part of what the actor's strike was about and the writer's strike probably to some extent, but the actor's strike much more. And it's interesting the kind of conclusions they've come to in the agreement. They've had to open the door a little bit to AI so that, you know, that you're... Your image can be represented and manipulated. There's there's clauses in there about they could manipulate the AI version of you so that your your phrasing matches different languages. So the kind of overdubs in German will look more convincing because but they'll be AI tweaked. So like I think it's it's definitely a coming conversation. And you can sort of see the logic to it. And the the other issue is that actually radio is struggling a bit to find talent, partly because there there are less places and there's network and there's all that stuff. And, you know, the UK is probably a little bit ahead of where Ireland is in terms of networking, you know, multiple brands and, the you know, 800 different versions of Capital or Heart or whatever it might be, but all kind of networked and voice tracked. And a lot of voice tracking goes on anyway. I think it's only a matter of time before someone goes... Well, we're actually going to put on a VT version uh, and uh, instead of a VT version, we're going to generate a version because you could update this and you can tweak it. And you, if there's a you know typhoon tomorrow, you could you could update the weather warnings without waiting for a presenter. But I don't know how people will respond to it either. I think if you were listening to a pres- what you think is a presenter and it turns out to be a robot, uh, that feels like 
there's an audience element to this we haven't really seen unfold yet because I don't think it's not fully in the mainstream yet. People are using AI and ChatGPT. There's a study today about a lot of people advertising and using it to write scripts and stuff. Yeah, I, a friend of mine is using it to write questions for interviews, right? Because it's a sharper version of Google, basically. But I don't think people have really had to come face to face with it and kind of go, do I, I, I sort of believe that the radio person is there and now they're not there and just that. We don't know how much that's going to bother people. I don't know. It's a really interesting question. It's a Pandora's box. We're just kind of eking it open at the moment. It's yeah. only open that much, but there's a, a lot further yes. it can go. You can hear audio coming out of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to work out whether it's real. Um, the Smart 7 project yeah. is a fascinating project. It has been since its inception. I look forward to seeing what's coming next. If anyone wants to listen to the content and guess whether it's real or fake, Jamie, then links are in the description, as is a link to your audio newsletter that you mentioned earlier. Uh, I should say as well that we've kept our weekend presenter. So Kira Revens does the Saturday standout and the Sunday. So because we wanted that kind of mix as well, I think it's... Yeah, AI Jamie's fine during the week, but actually Kira's a, Kira does a really good read on those weekends uh, and, and we kind of wanted to keep the mix of the both rather than just going all in on AI. Brilliant. Liam, lovely to speak to you. Good luck with what's next with the Smart 7. I, I watch with interest. Excellent. Thanks, Jim. Good luck. It's absolutely fascinating to consider what role AI will play in audio podcasting radio in the future. In fact, it already is here. The podcast you've just listened to, Liam's side of the conversation was enhanced from a pretty rubbish source file using AI. So the applications are very much here and real as we speak. Brilliant to chat to Liam about the Smart 7. If you want to listen to the podcast for yourself, there is a link in the podcast description. You will also find a link there to Liam's excellent radio and audio newsletter, Rodio. That's R-A-U-D-I-O. Link in the description so you can subscribe to that. And whilst you're subscribing to things, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because there's some brilliant episodes in the pipeline and in the back catalogue. Have a look back, see if there's anything you fancy. And as always, if you want a conversation about your audio strategy, the team at VoiceWorks are all ears. Get in touch via the website, voiceworks.ai.